Welcome to Season 2 of the Orioles in the Know podcast, featuring Avon Community School Corporation Superintendent Dr. Scott Windham. Twice a month, Dr. Windham has a conversation with students, educators, district leaders, or other special guests who are in the know, so you can be in the know too. Pull up a chair and listen. Thank you for joining us on Orioles in the Know. Welcome to episode number 16 of Orioles in the Know, a podcast from the Avon Community School Corporation. I'm Scott Windham, the proud superintendent of Avon Schools, and our goal with these podcasts is to offer yet another way for our parents, staff, and community to stay up to date on the great things happening in Avon Schools. This is our first podcast of the 21-22 school year, and I couldn't think of a better first guest then our 2021 Andy Moore ACSC Teacher of the Year, Mr. Michael Brooks. Welcome, Michael, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a Con- great honor. Congratulations on being our Teacher of the Year for the entire district. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Take a, a second and introduce yourself to our listeners. I am Michael Brooks. I am a mathematics teacher at Avon South. Uh, this will be my eighth year teaching in Avon, although I am a 18-year vet, as I did 10 years in the Indianapolis public school system. Uh, in Avon, my first five years, I taught seventh grade. The last two years, I have taught eighth grade, and this year I'm taking the challenge. I'm doing a split team of seventh and eighth grade mathematics. So what's the biggest difference transitioning from teaching seventh grade to eighth grade? Um, The biggest transition is I think as seventh graders come in, they seem a little more clingy. And when eighth graders come in, they seem like they know it all. (laughs) So um, it's a big difference though towards the end of the year because uh, eighth graders start to see the, the, the light that, Hey, we're getting ready to move on to high school. I better start turning it on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I know that's going to be a challenge to have a split team, too, where you're teaching both 7th and 8th grade. But if anybody can do it, you can. Right? Yeah. Well, I, well, in IPS, I did multiple grades in one classroom, too. So it's kind of a it's a keep me going all day. So it'll, it'll be fun and, and challenging at the same time. Two questions. What is it that led you to become a teacher? And even more specifically, you know, I taught elementary and I taught high school. I never taught middle school, but I always felt like it took a certain kind of special person to teach middle school. So what is it that led you to be a teacher? And then more specifically, what is it that led you to focus on the middle school age group? Um, I would probably say what led me to become a teacher um, was having a couple of teachers take interest in me in high school. Uh, It's kind of like that story. Thank you, Mr. Faulkner by Patricia Palaka, where that teacher took that interest and it just made a difference. Um, Probably before I go on into detail, I probably owe some teachers back in middle school and my high school some apologies (laughs) because I know I was not the ideal student. Kind of closer in my sophomore and junior year, I got close with a couple of my teachers, uh, Mr. Harris and Mr. Burkholder. Uh, Mr. Burkholder was my golf coach for my freshman year. We had a perfect season and he retired. And then Mr. Harris was my geometry teacher. And when my senior year came around, he noticed my GPA wasn't the greatest, uh, that I kind of slacked through some of those years. And he said, you're not going to slack this year. And he made me take calculus. Hmm. Um, and then Mr. Burkholder made me take advanced speech. So I'm in class with kids that probably doubled my GPA. And what was really great about that was Mr. Harris 
would meet with me almost every day during this prep to help me get through calculus. Cause this was like the freshman course of college. And I don't think I was really qualified by prereqs, but I got through it. Got to be Mr. Burkholder looked out for me. We had senior projects. Um, and one of them was to shadow and he gave me an opportunity. He had a friend at John Carroll university that coached basketball and I shadowed him for an away game, which was absolutely amazing. Waking up at 7am singing, sitting in his office, looking at the game plan, traveling with the team, sitting on the bench. I mean, it just really motivated me. And then my senior project, which was the last month of our senior year, you could go do anything. And I did a fourth grade PE hmm. and fourth graders, when you walk out for recess duty and they don't know who you are, you get bombarded. And it was about that time that I just knew I wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. I just loved the kids, their enthusiasm, their energy. And that's what really transitioned me to want to become a teacher. That's awesome. That's great. And it's always interesting to hear uh, those teachers that we mention you know, that go way back in your life and you still remember them and and the impact that they had. So last year was a really challenging school year that was unlike anything we've ever experienced in education. What was your biggest takeaway from last school year? And then what are you most excited about as we kick off a new school year? Um, One of my biggest takeaways from last year was my growth as a teacher. Because I would think about when I first started teaching, had we had this pandemic and had to social distance kids, I would have looked at my classroom and said, it already, it's already done because the kids are in rows. Mm-hmm. Now that I've become better at collaborative learning, it did make a little bit of a challenge in trying to make the adjustments so kids can still learn in um, that pedagogy. Um, and also, I also learned that kids are resourceful. Mm-hmm. They, they responded very well to the demands that was put on them to social distance in a way and um, clean desk with us, help us try to stay safe, you know, wearing their mask. And um, I think that was just a, a telling um, way that kids really do want to be in school, even though they say they don't want to be, mm-hmm. but they do really want to be in school. Yeah. And, and really got to see last year how much they needed to be in school. Too. Yes. So, you know, I that thought was a huge the, growth. the same thing that, you know, a lot of kids, especially in middle school say they don't want to, to come to school until you yank it away from them in March. And then they realize how much they really do want to be there. Yeah. So I don't pick our district teacher of the year. We have a committee of people from outside the district that, that um, go through all of our teachers of the year and identify uh, who should be the district teacher of the year. But I did look over the portfolios and what struck me about your portfolio was just how much you invest in students outside of the classroom. And uh, can you talk a little bit about what you do um, and, and, and what that looks like for you as a teacher and what benefits you see from really connecting with kids beyond just the work that you do as a math teacher? One of the things that I do that I love that I started my second year here was doing event managing. And what that entails is I work with the athletic director and I help oversee all the home events for our athletics for football, volleyball, basketball, track, wrestling. And one of the things I really love about that is I get a chance to see kids outside of school so you can have kind of normal conversations at time as well as meeting the families. And I think that has been a a big difference is being able to not just build rapport with kids, but build rapport with their parents and other families that are here. Also, I've golf coach, which is always fun. One of the things I started early in my career was I did a a group called Breakfast Club. And I did that because one, I'm an 80s guy. 
<laughs> and I would have students come in if they needed help with math early in the morning, usually about 15, 20 minutes is all you need to help maybe help them understand something. So I did that. And probably now with the time change, I'll probably be able to reopen that a little bit. And if kids need help, um, I always have that kind of that open door policy. After school help, I've always, I'm not the guy that leaves that when that bell rings with the kids. I usually sometimes one of the last people to get out of here, especially doing the event managing and coaching or just on normal days, just trying to pull myself together and get ready for the next day. One of the other things that I did last year was kind of going into difficulty dealing with the pandemic was also looking at the the George Floyd incident and all the, the social issues that were going on. It just beginning of the year just kind of seemed like an, an unnerved feeling. And as did the first month of August went on, I thought it would be a good idea to um, discuss it and talk about it. So I was able to get a group of young men and women together and we were able to develop a group that I call Future Leaders of Tomorrow. And in that group, we discussed the issues to start off with, um, talking about their experiences as young uh, adults. It's amazing even at teenage years how things have, they've been affected by those things. And then um, before I told them they can have a voice, I, I made them learn a little bit about the civil pro- progression. So we looked at and we created a timeline of civil rights movement, looking at not just the events, but what impacts came out of them and helping them understand that even though, um, you know, when we learn about civil rights, we think everything changed right then and there, and that's not how it happened. And that it was a very slow progress of things that would come out of it. And looking at the situation that just happened last summer, what progress we would make out of that. And I think we have made some progress with that. And then the final thing that we started working on was about being a positive voice and that everybody's experiences are different. And it's not something to always get mad at somebody when they say something or do something. It's, it's about having an open dialogue that's positive to help them learn about, you know, maybe why it made you upset or what they could do different because that is what... I think we've gotten away from that. Someone says something and we're just ready to point fingers instead of having a a positive discussion. Yeah, we had that um, group, Future Leaders of Tomorrow, come and present to a group of community leaders with with Mr. Brooks. And um, it was so powerful to see, you know, you had... I don't know, 10, 15 community leaders from Avon in, in our boardroom and to hear from students about, you know, how they are struggling and how they are making sense out of this world that we're living in where there is so much unrest and so much disagreement. And, um, and it was, it was fascinating to just learn from them and have that dialogue that you were talking about that we just don't do in today's world enough. We put it on social media and then it just devolves from there versus having a dialogue. And, and what was so powerful to me is one of the community leaders that came up after that event and said, this was the best 30 minutes. I learned more in this 30 minutes than I've learned <laughs> in so many other things that we talk about when it comes to social unrest. How do we, how do we support our students and our families who come from different ba- backgrounds and those kinds of things? And that 30-minute presentation from your students was the most powerful thing that this this community leader had experienced in a long, long time. So it was really neat to see that. Yeah, and I and I had, um, we had an incident at the school later on that a kid said something and it made 
one of the students upset. She came and told me, and I mean, I heard from the principal, I heard from the teacher about how she handled the situation. And she came and told me, she said, if, if I didn't have that group, she said, I would have probably been suspended. I would have mm. cussed that kid out, mm-hmm. probably beat him up or try to fight. And she said, just being able to work with that group and understand that it was my opportunity to help him learn. Mm. And I think that right there made it like a huge impact for me. Like I didn't know if it was going to work or if it's not, but to hear that someone was actually using it and it, you know, it's beneficial to know. That's powerful. That's, that's great. You know, teaching is a tough profession, even when we're not in a pandemic. Um, and it's, it's well known that there's a shortage of teachers entering the profession and staying in the profession. And, um, yet here you are, uh, our teacher of the year, clearly someone who's excelled in the profession and been doing this for, what'd you say? 18 years, 18 years, 18 years. So what has kept you in teaching and, and also then what has kept you here in Avon? What's kept me in teaching the students. Um, for me, I always see and say teaching middle school because of what level they're at. I mean, they're going through so many, uh, physical changes. And now you add ITs, you add social media to it. And now you have the mental changes that are going with it. It's my reality TV. (laughs) Um, when I deal with the middle school kids, I mean, it's, you, you want to focus on academics, but there is so much more in their world that is important to them that no matter how great my lesson is, if I can't get to them socially, emotionally, I can forget about the academics. And I, I think that's what keeps me in teaching because the kids keep me going every day. It is something new every day. Um, it, and it comes from different kids. It's not always the same kids. And it makes it a challenge. It's, teaching is not boring. That's for sure when you're dealing with kids, especially middle schoolers at this level. The last couple of years, I've loved getting the recognition from some of the students because I finally had uh, some of my kids that graduated and have had the honor of being at the Avon Honors Mm -hmm. Dinner. Um, That kind of things, that's what keeps you in teaching when the kids respond back to you the freshman course that they take, that they write letters back. I I keep all the letters. I have them up on my wall. I try to write every kid back just because that's the reward that you get from teaching. And that's what keeps me in teaching. As far as staying in Avon, I think all of the things that I've done to outside of the classroom from coaching golf to event coordinator to just helping kids. It's just made me feel part of the community. And every year I've always been at Oreo preview. And what was fun about that is you get to meet the parents. And then when you, when you're here a few years in a row, you get to see some of the parents of kids you've had and how they come and talk to me and, you know, Oh, thank you for helping my kid. Or they say, you're the great teacher. They love having you every once in a while. I might get a, especially with some of the older students. I had a few apologize to me. Like I just <laughs> apologized to some of my teachers. Like, I'm so sorry. I did not know I acted like that. Middle or, school was a tough time. Middle for school me. was yeah. a tough time. Um, so I just feel like I'm part of the community and, and that is something something that I haven't felt when it came to teaching. And when I was in the, the public school, Indianapolis public schools, it was so big. Um, I didn't get a chance to really 
dive in into the community as much as I have here in Avon and, and felt that acceptance from families um, and students. Um, even going to some of the open house and seeing other, the students of former parents like, Hey, you're Mr. Brooks. From, and they like, remember you. And I mean, those are the things that make you feel part of the community. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you for all that you do. And, you know, I, we have great teachers in Avon and, and you represent 700 plus amazing teachers in, in our school district. And I just want to thank you for what you do and how well you represent us as our teacher of the year. You know, even before you were named South's teacher of the year, I had shared with you a, a message I got from a parent in your class who said her son talks about Mr. Brooks so much at the dinner table that she feels like you're a part of their family, you know, and that's the kind of relationship that you build with families and with kids. And, and then she also said, and he's doing really well in math because it's funny how those relationships lead yes. to better academics. And, and I know we have teachers all across this district that are doing that and are building those strong relationships with families and kids. And, um, I'm, I'm thrilled that you choose to work in Avon and that you choose to work with our kids. And, and I just thank you for all that you've done. Thank you so much. It, it is a great honor and a great pleasure to be part of this community, be part of Avon South and, and watching these kids grow. It's awesome. That's great. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And we will uh, be back next time. Thank you for listening to Orioles in the Know featuring Avon School Superintendent, Dr. Scott Windham. To stay in the know, be sure to follow Dr. Windham on Twitter, A-V-O-N-S-U-P-T. You can also follow the district on Twitter at Oriole Tweets or like Avon.Schools on Facebook. You can always visit the corporation website at Avon-Schools.org or call the administration center at 317-544-6000. Be sure to subscribe to the Orioles in the Know podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.